This is a Hive Mind Studio production. Hello, gods and goblins, deities and deviants, and my fellow what the fucks. You are listening to episode two of Playing with Advantage, an informative podcast about the various aspects of the tabletop role-playing game as a genre. As always, I am your host, Kenneth Moffat, a.k.a. Southern D&D, and my co-host is none other than the man, the myth, the legend himself, James the Hivemaster Bardwell. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Everybody's doing great today. I'm doing very well, very well. And all those listening out there, I hope your week has been great, and hope the one coming up will be just as well. Well, today we have a very interesting topic, one that permeates not only the tabletop role-playing genre, but humanity and our lives as a whole, and that topic is technology. Now, technology is defined by Webster's as the application or gaining of knowledge and equipment for practical purposes, such as in industry and society. So what that means is you learn to do things bigger and better than you did before. Yeah. So of our uh, play group that uh, I play with and the games, you know, the DMs, the games we run, I'm probably the biggest Luddite among us. And I did an inventory of all the different technology uses that I have now that are a part of my gaming experience. And it is extensive. Yes, even as somebody like myself who loves, you know, pen and paper and books, there is so much that I have to rely on for technology just to even prepare the simplest of games. And today we're going to be talking about that, how technology has affected not just the game itself, but the community and for good or in some ways for ill. And I think the way you start with that is the the advent of the base technology itself in pen and paper and what was D&D first edition. Literally, it was the little catalog with a few pages. And from there, this entire genre we have grew forth. Uh, and I think that the technology boom of the latter 90s, early 2000s really helped with that. And the fact that technology as a whole has brought us close together, and the main part of that is the networking that came with the internet. The internet is probably the biggest, I want to say, technological advancement that we have, we as a species have ever seen. And it has permeated our lives in such a way that, of course, it would also begin to move into our hobbies. Yeah. Having seen the birth of the Internet, um, which astounds my children every time I tell them that, <laughs> um, and then the realization that it is not only for illicit purposes, but you can use it for things like gaming, um, it, it really jumped the hobby forward. So much so that it's not just a hobby anymore. There are careers and professions that revolve completely around what we do. Oh, yes. And the I believe that the best place to start is... Well, we'll start simply. To play a tabletop role-playing game, you would need at least a table and some friends. Now, before the advent of Google and AOL and the dreaded dial-up tone, we're showing our age on that one. You mean the dial-up tone that sounds like you're summoning a demon back in the day? You know, maybe that's where that weird squid-faced neighbor came from the first time we plugged in AOL. Just, you know, in any way. Um <laughs> But originally, to play D&D, you had to have friends nearby you could play D&D with. Now, I remember you mentioned that with the advent of, like, I say the advent, the telephone had been around for a long time when y'all started pioneering. Yes, I do not predate the telephone, (laughs) just the internet. (laughs) You did not have to go, operator, give me so-and-so. No, you, yeah. But just the fact that the telephone allowed that, you didn't have to wait until you got to school to play. Like you said, I think you were like literally a very clandestine sort of group waiting by the phone, if you want to kind of regale that story. Oh, yeah. So it was like 
partially during the whole satanic panic thing that happened with D&D, which we are going to have to do a show on at some point. Um, but parents weren't so happy about us playing. Uh, the school kind of would give us some gruff every now and then, uh, even during our free time or break periods or whatever. So our play group was getting up. We had time scheduled for each person with the dungeon master. And I would get up at like five o'clock in the morning and give him a call, and he would be by the phone waiting. And as soon as it made that first tone of a ring, he would snatch it up. And we would literally play like an hour before school over the phone like that. Um, and that, of course, has evolved way past now. You know, you have um, Roll20 and Tabletop Simulator and just all Discord games, um, which I know you guys, Southern D&D, y'all, y'all run Discord yes, games. Yes, we, we, I, have, I have a Discord. We've got, I think we're approaching 200 uh, people on there now. It's great. And we've got play-by-post happening. We've got 5e games happening. I think somebody is trying to get into it, like get a Pathfinder, a different system start, which is awesome because yeah. there are so many different systems out there. You don't just have to stick to D&D. And it's the fact that, like, I've got somebody in my Discord who is from the Netherlands. That's awesome. That is, and I'm sitting there like, Gee, that's an entire, that's half a world away. And you know, originally back before the advent of of networking of the internet, before we have all this awesome technology, which in some aspects we take for granted, the only way you could play the, play D and D or you could find people to play a game with was to like you, you know, hey guys, we're at school. Do you want to play this game? You know, we'll call over a phone, that kind of stuff. Well, then the next step up from the phone, which it's one that I, you know, I was there to kind of to see the, the beginnings of, is the early days of the internet, which is where you had the AOL Messenger. And you began to have the whole, like, you know, play-by-post type thing, or you can do that kind of stuff. I remember when I was in the eighth grade, I had, because I am the nerd I today I've always been, I had to give a little, uh, it was a creative writing thing on my favorite animal, which, again, is dragons. That's Yeah, I've always been a nerd. Don't judge me. <laughs> so I went online to find like various uh, pictures and stuff, and I came across an early style forum where it was people just talking about different games they've played in. Uh, some had posted pictures, and it was it was just great. Now, me being, you know, 12, 13 years old, having never played D&D at this point, I'm like, I don't know what this is, but it's cool. I just kind of never looked into it. And it's, you've gone from these early day forums where it was literally just message boards. That's all it was. But people, there was something about the way they spoke about their characters, about the adventures. You knew that even just talking about it in that way, they loved it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really what technology has a lot of shared is that, is that kind of the love that we have for this. And from the messaging boards is now where you get into, like you said, the full, uh, the online tabletop simulators where you don't actually have to have the table anymore. But the, to me, the biggest point, and you mentioned with Discord, is the fact that technology has allowed for people from every walk of life, no matter your nation, your uh, ethnicity, your, your gender, your orientation, you can meet up with people who think the way you do, who enjoy the same things you do. And play a game that ultimately you all love to play. I think probably one of the biggest boons of technology is the way it is able to bridge all of the gaps that we as individuals have that sometimes separate us. Technology kind of bypasses that and it brings you closer together. It opens up discourse. It just helps you connect. 
Now we've kind of touched on you know, technology, how it's brought the the world to your doorstep, so to speak. Let's focus a little bit on how technology has helped the the more local aspect, like your home D and D game. Uh, the first thing that that the internet has done is it's made information so readily available. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I I'll admit D and D is it can be an expensive hobby. Yeah. The the books ran, will run you anywhere from thirty to fifty dollars a piece. Uh, if you want to get special dice, they can get a little expensive. Uh, miniatures, maps, all this stuff. I mean, to to just just to run, say, one of the pre-made modules like Curse of Strahd, you're probably going to sink if you don't before you know before we had technology. You're probably sinking sixty, seventy dollars to get the material you needed. Yeah, but now. Thanks to technology, stuff like D and D Beyond, other uh, third parties, and free, uh, other like you know, kind of free associated uh, areas, you can go online and get the PDFs for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, like D and D Beyond is probably one of the best resources. I, I love, I love that system. Um, it has helped us a lot. Like in our Stagande game, um, we can real time track HP. The people who are watching can see all that. It's like it has integrated. Not just the players at the table and the DM, but those audiences that a lot of these games have now. Oh, yes. Um, and that's like the the introduction of, you know, Critical Role and then Dimension 20 and that kind of stuff. And uh, there's another aspect where people don't realize that, yeah, D&D permeates through technology in television shows as well. A very popular show on Netflix, Stranger Things. Yeah. That caused such a boom. In fact, I actually have a graph here with me. That shows from uh, the early 2000s, so roughly to 2004 until 2020, the interest in D&D via Critical Role, Dimension 20, the D&D 5th Edition, and Stranger Things release went from approximately a rating of 25 to over 250. That's a pretty ratings. big jump. Yes. Pretty big. The, the fact that technology allowed it to be so not just available, but so readily viewable. And you had all these people who were like, you know, well, what is D&D? I've always heard these stories about it. I didn't know if it really was a thing for me. And then they see it happening. They're like, wait, you mean it's just a bunch of friends sitting around doing weird and funny things together? Yeah, pretty Sign much. Sign me up. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about, you know, acquiring different um, materials and stuff for it. Um, drive through RPG. That's one of the things I love. It, uh, it lets people put all of this homebrewed stuff and this custom content on there. And you can go and most of it, a lot of it is like by donation. You know, you find what you want. You give them what you think it's worth. But one, what that does is it takes um, the perspective of the person running your game and it widens that. We had an amazing DM growing up. The guy put tons of work into the games um, and he did a fantastic job. But in the last 10 years, I have probably been able to play more varied and like just amazing, interesting games with perspectives and materials and stuff that I did not have access to before. And it's just, it's totally, that kind of thing has totally changed the industry. Uh, this cool thing about like how most of that stuff, because I do some stuff on DMs Guild, where mm -hmm. it's kind of a uh, donation based and it allows, now, not everything on there is, is balanced, but it's everything on there kind of, it's everything in one place. You don't have to go looking hard yeah. for if I want this, this, or this. Yeah. And the, but what it allows is that, hey, I have this cool idea. Well, my players liked it. What if somebody else likes it? Mm -hmm. Now, used to, again, before the advent of the internet and computers and all that, it was simply, 
you know, well, my four players enjoyed this. Well, take these other, and you kind of, you know, you might over a few years go from your four to another four. And within four or five years, maybe a hundred people would have seen it. Yeah. Now you post it online, you go to some of these, like the DMs Guild, uh, drive through uh, drive through RPG. And within minutes, there are several hundred, if not thousands. Yeah. Of at least people seeing it who think, okay, well, maybe this is cool. I want to use this or not really my kind of thing, but I can link this to somebody else who I know. And it's the fact that it's made the information so much readily available and not just on the aspect of, of homebrewers and such, but on the official, uh, the official literature as well. Because let's say, for instance, we go back to, you know, third, third edition. And before... Uh, before they made 3.5, third edition had become so congested and so bloated with retcons and information and redos that would take so long to get out because all they had back then was the book form. Yeah. So by the time they finally did, you know, D&D 3.5, a lot of people were like, well, I've already done all this. You know, I, I, don't, I can't fix it. Now, D&D 5th edition came out and they did, a, they did the Ranger class. To which afterwards, Wizards went, well, we really didn't think this one out very well, so let's put a revised class out. Now, had this been back then, they'd have to wait for weeks upon weeks to get the literature printed and sent out and shipped and yada, yada, yada. Now, it's a simple matter of, on their website, hey guys, we have a new revision for this class. Here it is, free to download, PDF, it's yours. Seconds. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is really interesting is the evolution of an idea that comes from this type of exposure. Um, I know there are groups, large groups that will take cold cases and they work these cold cases. And when you have one tired detective working this thing, he can only do so much and get so far. But if you've got 500 people on the Internet and like they're working towards solving this thing, that they get stuff done. Um, and that's kind of what happens with these uh, ideas, too, with these sites like we're talking about. The idea gets out there, and once it's out in the wild, everybody looks at it, and, you know, it starts to evolve, and the the edges get chipped away, it gets smoothed over, and you can really produce some solid gems with these crowds of eyes yeah. being on this and these ideas, you know. Because a lot of times it's uh, – you, you may look up before and, you know, may look up and somebody will have some – expertise or some idea, but it wasn't 100% certain. Now, it's almost certain that if you put it out there to go, hey, guys, I want your opinions and help me work with this, you're going to hit somebody who goes, okay, I've done this stuff before. Here's what we did to make that work. Well, let's see what we can do with this. And you get access to a a bigger pool of knowledge than what you normally would have without the network and information that technology brings us. Yeah, I've seen it happen uh, just in our Discord here at The Hive. We have several DMs who have like, put builds out there, that kind of stuff. And they're like, what do you think? And then the feedback that comes from all of the other, you know, DMs and players in there, within a day, what would have taken you, you know, months of play to kind of perfect and, you know, clean the rough edges off of, within a day, you've got enough information that you can really tune that thing. Yeah. And the, <laughs> this is a very similar thing. So kind of a offshoot, back in my high school days, me and about four buddies wanted to make our own comic book. Uh, we had a couple of guys could draw and I was working with story and stuff. The dream. The dream. I can remember sitting in the, the courtyard of our high school on one of our little circular picnic tables with pages scattered everywhere and we're reviewing each other's work and this kind of stuff. And we would pass dockets of paper back and forth. A couple of times our teachers stopped us and asked us what we were doing. Uh, and you know, they were like, they thought it was like something kind of a list. No, we're just passing, you know, comic book information. 
And like it would end with one kid eventually would go home with like a, a novel's worth of information to go through and review. Yeah. Whereas now it's not, you know, hey, I want you to look over this to what you think. Let me hand you a dossier of information. Yeah. It's a link to my Google Drive. Yeah. And it's the fact that uh, technology has essentially now, look, I love paper. Yep. I love paper. I love books. I love pen and ink. But I will admit, my tablet I carry with me is a lot lighter than the eight source books yeah. that it replaced. Yeah. Uh, and that's something else. that t- Technology has made the game so much easier. Like you mentioned D&D Beyond. Uh, before D&D Beyond, you had your character sheet and you, okay, I want to make, make an attack. I make my roll. Okay, well, I add this modifier and I add this. Well, my weapon does this. I have an ability that does this. Um, oh, wait, I forgot to have this thing here. And you're having to, uh, uh, I think it's this. Yeah, that was back in the day when we referred to Dungeons & Dragons as homework the game. Yes. Uh, <laughs> AKA fourth edition trigonometry, <laughs> the role-playing game. And now with D&D, no, no, you, there, there's nothing wrong with still being able to do that. Like, I love like actually seeing everything laid out. Oh, yeah. But it is a lot easier to go, okay, on D&D Beyond, I'm going to hit the roll button, and it adds everything up for me, and this is my roll. Yeah. And it's made it so much easier, not just for, like, you know, Dungeon Masters, but also the technology has helped players so much. Yeah. Because, like I said, these books can get expensive. And somebody, especially just getting into D&D, they may not be able to afford the player's handbook yeah. or anything like that. Which kind of gets into the... Uh, look, folks, unfortunately, not all dungeon masters, not all game masters are nice people. What? There are some of us out there who care more about our story and our ego than actually you guys having a fun time. With the advent of technology, you're able, and I'm not saying argue with your dungeon master, but it has helped people go, wait, that's not right. Uh, you can go and do the research yourself on the game and go, okay, this is, you don't have to, or if your dungeon master is very much overworked, you don't have to keep asking them, well, hey, what does this do? Having access for D&D Beyond and all these other different third-party resources. Thank you. Having access to D&D Beyond, all these other third-party resources, means that, means that the player can take a little bit more initiative in their own agency. Uh, and dungeon masters love that. Like if yes. I have a game where uh, the you know somebody is reading a book, they have a copy of the player's handbook, and I'm going okay, yada yada yada. Well, this does this. You want to cast that? Does this? I turn to them. What would you like to do? And they just know instantly because other players see that and go, wait, he has the information too. Well, while the dungeon master is working with this person, let me lean over and go, hey, I want to do this. What does it do exactly? Yeah. And it also kind of helps bring your players closer together, and they start to rely on each other. Uh, the and you mentioned you know Discord. I I love Discord because it has added so much to the role play of a game. I like any game I start. I have a Discord channel for it. That is something that we tell our DMs that work here at the Hive. When you set up a game, you start a Discord for those people. You get your your out of game role play happening throughout the week. Um, it's just it really it really brings the table together too, uh, because look, unfortunately, time is not infinite, and a lot of us are very pressed for it. So we can't have the uh, the the moments around the campfire in game. But what you can do is go, okay, guys, you're gonna rest for the evening. Uh, you want to have if you want to, you guys can do the whole campfire on Discord later, and we'll just say that happened, and we'll pick up and push through to the next part of the story. 
And I've seen, like, I, I love watching my natural ones on our Discord. They'll go through and have conversations and, you know, hey, if we do this, this, and this. And, like, sometimes I'm sitting there laughing. Oh, yeah, yeah, y'all try that. It's going to work out great. But once or twice, you're like, wow, that's, 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 there's a lot of, there's something there. Maybe let me yeah. take that, add that to my story. I have, I have had the Discord change the course of the game before. Like, this happens fairly often, you know? Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. I'm going to use that. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I love the fact that people think we dungeon masters, or we game masters are the be all, end all. We've got everything planned, that we're prepared for everything, that there is nothing that my players can do to derail my campaign. And if you believe that, I've got some oceanfront property in Arizona that I would let you have for cheap. Yeah. Probably one of my favorite things that comes out of the Discord is the memes. Oh. Like we usually have a whole memes channel for each thing because it's just dear God. When once something happens in the story, it gains a life of its own in the Discord. I actually, this is interesting. I was reading an article that was comparing the memes and these these uh, the gifts and all this stuff, folks. It's gifts because it's graphic gifts, hard G. Uh, the gifts and memes of this day and age to the ancient murals, mosaics, and paintings of the ancient world. Like the uh, the modern day Da Vinci's are using, you know, uh, memes to get across as much political and emotional and information yeah. as, you know, the Mona Lisa, the Sistine Chapel, that kind of stuff. Uh, again, the evolution of technology. The evolution of technology, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it's it also is a lot the whole point where like the memes with your players, it allows them to come closer together because they don't have to wait until game night to go, hey man, your fighter did this last time, or we had this plan going, but I just realized this happened, so we can go ahead and prep. Now, something else, I am okay with my players not telling me things. Yeah. Now, let me phrase that. Uh I don't want them to go, you know, okay, by the way, I blew up that building. No, no, no. Not not like that. That's not no. what I meant. But the used to my rule was no phones at the table. Yeah. But then I had to change that because, you know, with Discord and Messenger, that kind of stuff, it's okay if I, as the game master, don't know everything my players are doing. If a DM knows everything about their players and their plans, it's kind of boring. Basically, anything that would happen within their own agency, it's fine for that to be private. Yes. And because that adds something to it. Like, I, I have had players outthink me. Oh, yeah. It's, it's great. Now, it, you know, you've often said anytime you get the mentality of player versus dungeon master, that is, that is a bad headspace to be yeah, in. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do that. But I believe it is okay for you not to know everything your players have planned. Because then that means your world, your NPCs, can then react as naturally as possible. I think a part of, of creating that natural environment is the DM's knowledge or the GM's knowledge that they are expected to have some uh, efficiency with improv. Yes. Like that's part of our responsibility. We have to do that. It's actually kind of interesting because technology has allowed access to resources outside of the genre that help us. Like, for instance, let's say you don't have access to the internet, but you have a computer or a tablet. Every base piece of technology we have nowadays comes with a word processor. And you don't, no longer do you have to keep pen and paper notes. You can just go in and type it in there. Yeah, you may not be able to get like, you know, uh, Microsoft Word or OpenOffice, but you have Notepad. If... If I can interject just a second, when you said notes, one of the coolest pieces of technology, thanks to one of my, our, my fellow players in our Wednesday night game, that I've been introduced to 
especially for note taking, which if you are the note taker at your table, God bless you, go get Obsidian. Uh, this program is amazing. The organization of this thing is just like off the chart. I love the fact that like if I'm running a game and I have Obsidian, I can just throw the map into our Discord and all of a sudden our whole table has the map. I can put up a picture of what they're finding and they see this thing. My favorite aspect of it, though, is what we have lovingly dubbed the murder board. <laughs> so all of your notes uh, in Obsidian create this interconnectivity web and there's all these little dots and uh, it lets you see as your campaign grows and progresses and gets bigger how everything connects to each other. And like, that's my favorite part of it. I love it. Actually, and I did a little research on that. Obsidian was originally called Obsidian Portal. And when it first came out, the individual, my original game master, was using it for our games. And it like, like you said, even in its base earliest bits where you had like NPC photos and you had notes and stuff, but it kept all your, it kept all your information for your game in a singular place Yeah. to where, you know, even as a dungeon master, I look, I've had times where like I'm, my players have gone, Hey, that one NPC we ran into on episode three, uh, where we bought that one specific item. What were their name? I'm like, I do not know. <laughs> we're on session 112. <laughs> Give me a moment. Let me go back here. And, yeah, but now I'm with that, you can be like, who is that? One second. Boop, boop, boop. Oh, uh, that was uh, Bibble Bubble Booble, and he worked at this place and sold Boobleberries. I mean, yeah. you've got this entire thing that you can keep that technology has helped you st build stories where they just flow together. Yeah. And you can keep going back to, you know, you're not having to like re look, I have done it. I'll admit it. I will say a name. I will write it down somewhere. I'll forget where I write it, and I'll make up a new name for this person. I go back, I'm like, oh, crap. These are two, two different names. That's not his name now. Now I have two NPCs that do the same thing. And now I'm like, no. First name, middle name. Boom, we got it. Okay. <laughs> I fixed it. <laughs> I fixed it. And also the cool thing about this, uh, the continuity and stuff, is that people see this, the the like the let's take the obsidian portal. Uh let's say, you know, Wednesday night game, one of your players sees something, you go, hey, this this random interaction here, that's a cool idea for an entirely different campaign. They can take that and run with it. And the, the interconnectivity that technology has brought us, it has opened up avenues of creativity that before have never been seen to, like you said, allow people to make, make a living off of things that 20 years ago were either just hobbies or considered, you know, useless traits, useless talents. Yeah. One of the things when we started the Hive here is uh, I, being a DM, knew how much work went into games. I, having good game masters got to see how much work goes into that and um i know if you if you have tiktok at all you've heard the song you know you have to pay for my skills you know exposure doesn't pay the bills yes. uh, i believe that work should be compensated um there's just so much that goes into producing a good campaign yes i like for instance i speak from experience as a, as a game master yeah, there are times where I, I will I will have to do things out of the seat of my pants, but there is still like you know hours of prep for the overarching story, for combat encounters, for you know getting certain miniatures, getting you know my players want this to happen, this kind of stuff, and it it is nice that there are people that look at this and go, hey, not only do I like what you're doing and value it enough to be part of it, but I believe there is some monetary value to it as well. Uh, and you mentioned TikTok. I, what started off as a little like funny app to let people do music videos and such has blown into so much more. 
Like it's it has brought so much it has brought the community together in so many ways. Like you have the the three D printers and the different artists. Oh my God, technology has led to a boom of some of the greatest artists and content creators I've the, ever seen. Seeing those artists like feed off of each other and push each other and support each other, which the D and D TikTok community is so positive. It is. I'm I'm amazed at how healthy that is. And it's and I actually I have a theory for this. One of my favorite sayings is the best cure for a shadow is sunlight. Yeah. And so now look, you come across uh, on FYP like you've got like uh like Quincy's Tavern, you've got uh High Thrall, you've got the uh uh Dead Metal DM, you've got all these, you know, uh Dumpstat podcasts, all these great D&D content creators. And you're like, these people are awesome. I want to see more of this, more of this, more of this. And then you get that one individual who comes on with that shock and all that shock and all kind of presentation. And it's usually some uh, provocateur trying to elicit a reaction of emotion from somebody. And we call them trolls. Before that, they were just posting on a forum. They would say they're in, you know, you really couldn't do anything about it. But thankfully, TikTok, there's a little button down there that shows not interested. Don't show me this again. I have seen accounts where, you know, I hit the don't show me this. And then, you you know, a couple of weeks later, they're gone. Yeah. There, there's no more. Like, literally, it's the fact that the community technology has let us go. We, we know what we want. We know what we enjoy. And we can affect it. No, no longer do we have to put up with your trolling us, with yeah. you coming in just to elicit these negative emotions and responses from us. You're gone. Yeah. Gone. And so by coming out into the sunlight, they are dooming their own selves. Yeah. Uh, but TikTok, yeah, there are and all the the artists and the creators. Actually, in technology, that I think tech, the advent of technology, the advancement within, within the past ten years, has allowed so many what. What I think it used to be called uh, was like uh, it was like countertop artists, where it was just people who did it as a hobby, but who have these amazing talents. Like we have an artist here at the Hive, uh, Solar Molar, on uh, on their, their different platforms. If you want to look, check them out. They do great artwork. Amazing, amazing artwork. I have a few commissions them myself. Same. <laughs> and th- it allows these artists who otherwise, unless they have a job in the art industry, to get no exposure. And now they're out there making, you know, really good living, doing commissions, doing artwork, doing, uh, I've seen like, you know, stickers and t-shirts and this kind of this and that kind of stuff. And it's it's great. The fact that technology has taken these people who have these amazing talents, be it, you know, for art, for music. There's an entire, there's a, there's a guy under the uh, the name of Arcane Anthems on TikTok that all he does is produce free music for dungeon masters to use in their games. Wow. It's great. I love his music. I use it all the time. Uh, and it's just the fact that without technology, without that that platform, that never would have happened. Uh, and another way that content creators are using and another what people were thought, well, that's just a useless talent or hobby. And one that I have bought from and I am probably going to buy from again, I know one that you are getting now into hot and heavy, are the 3D printers. Oh yeah, yeah. We just we just got a new big boy, and he is eating up my whole week. Um, getting him set up, getting everything working. Three D printing uh, is amazing for the hobby. It gives you access to so much that you can use to really immerse in this game. A like another another actually technically it is a piece of technology that I love are miniatures. Yeah, 
And I know for a fact that 3D printing has made miniatures so much more affordable and so much more available. One of my favorite things uh, revolving around 3D printing and the game is Hero Forge and the ability to make your hero super intricate, you know, make this character, you know, whatever, and just buy the file and print it yourself. Uh, that is awesome. Oh, yeah, because I, I, at one point I looked into going, let me make, you know, I'll, I'll pay to have a few miniatures made. And then I went, no, I'm not going to pay to have a few miniatures made. <laughs> but then I saw, what is this download file for, like, the miniature is like 50 bucks, but that's like, you know, five. To yeah. Get, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that, that's amazing because, like you said, no longer do you have to, you know, wait for somebody else to print it, yada, yada, yada. Now you just buy the file, download it, start printing it. Uh, if you mess up, cool. You don't have to wait weeks for somebody to just send you a new one. You just go over there, take it off, throw it away, start over. And messing up doesn't mean you lost $50 worth of a mini. Like, literally, if you mess up a mini, you know, if you're running a whole plate of them, that's like 77 cents, yeah. a dollar maybe, you know? So messing up's not the end of the world. You just start over. Clean it off, start over. And I, I have seen some of the quality of miniatures that come out of, like, you know, resin printers. Fantastic. These massive, like, ancient custom dragons and such that I'm sitting there going, I want one, I want one, I want one, I want one. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and then the... the the fact that the quality of the 3D printing is just as good, sometimes it's better than the quality you get from, like, you know, the official Wizards, you know, WizKids type stuff. Yeah. And it's just, but the main part is it's so much easier. Yeah. Like, technology has, it has made being a nerd so much easier. Everything's more accessible now than it ever has been before. Yes. And, and I think that also plays a big part of the, you know, into the explosion of uh, the industry and RPGs as a whole. It's just more accessible. Oh, yes. That's, uh, you know, not, we have more easier access to, to literature, to materials, to maps. You don't, like, there are, there are tons of third-party sites where artists donate maps, like battle maps already pre-gridded, yeah. and you can either print them off or, like a lot of people do, is they'll actually have some sort of, of screen on their table or a television, and they'll just throw the map up there with little markers and go, okay, so here you guys are. So no longer do you have to spend hours drawing out a map and hand-sketching everything. And Yeah, so like uh, I'm, we've talked about my first DM before, and the guy's great. Again, wonderful work. Um, before the TV maps, which I love, that is, again, good for immersion. This guy would put like 24, 30 graph paper pages together, just by hand, tape them all together, and draw out these huge, intricate dungeons. And it would take him like weeks to get this done. Wow. Tons of work. Literally, it is the press of a button now. And you can even randomize it if you want to. There are programs for that. Oh, yeah. Like, I, what's the uh, Incarnate, I think, is one a lot of people know and really use. Really good one, yeah. Uh, the fact that, okay, like, I need a one-shot. I need this kind of area. Uh, well, let's go okay, uh, put a forest there, yada, yada, yada. And then within, you know, an hour and a half, you're like, wow, okay, this is actually a decent-looking map. And you're it bring it's the whole point of that kind of map will bring player immersion in. So for immersion, one of my favorite things is ambiance music, room music. Like, there's nothing like getting ready to do a Innistrad RPG on this gothic plane and your players walk up to the room where you're going to play and they can hear the rain pounding on the roof and the occasional thunder strike. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, I, I forget the uh, the name of the actual organ piece, but I'm pretty sure when they meet Strahd, you've got him. Yep. And it's just uh, what I love is the there are 
there are moments where you get them so immersed with the music and the rain that they react to it. Yeah. Like, we uh, recently we finished up an alien RPG. Uh, so much fun. It was so much fun. The the DM, one Elder Fenris, a great, great dungeon master, friend of mine, and a mentor to me in so many ways. And he had that ambiance music going. Oh, yeah. And there were times where something would happen and, like, all of us just, just we would jump. He is so good at nailing the music to the moment. Yes. Like, it, I don't know. I don't even really understand how he does it. But he does. I died horribly in that campaign, by the way. Yes, like, I know. And it, so was, bad. it was so great. because you, Like, I was a horrible person. You were such an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> not, not destructive to the role play. It, it's just part of the alien experience. Oh, uh, and but it's the fact that he had us pulled so in with just sound. Yeah. There, there, there was no battle map. There were no miniatures. There, were, there was no, you know, $11 million animated budget. Yeah. It was a guy reading us a story with a small laptop and sound. And my God, I was on the, I was on the Kronos. I was, yeah. I was in the hallway. I was running from the Neomore. It, it and that immersion, that is something that technology has allowed. Because, I mean, used to, if you wanted, you know, music in your game, you'd have to pay somebody to sit over there and strum a lute or something for yeah, you. Yeah, But now you're like, I go to Spotify, I go to this website, I go to you. YouTube has days upon days of ambient music. They do so much stuff. And it's great, too. And that's something else, because now these artists have these avenues that when they make their music, they don't have to try to go to a big production to try to go, hey, let me pay you to put it out there and maybe somebody will hear it. Yeah. No, now it's just, I have a YouTube channel, I'll put the music on there, create, boom, it's up. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, everything's so easy to find. But that not is not necessarily a, a good thing, and I think that's a, a decent turning point for the discussion on how the advance of technology has negatively affected the the role-playing genre. And I think we put a lot of emphasis on how easily and accessible people are. The fact that uh, the, the network, the internet, social media and all that has brought everybody together and has literally made a, a planet that is, what, like 30,000 miles across, literally like the person next door. But that means it also brings those bad elements right to your next door. Yeah. Like you, I, I kind of made fun at it, but there are dungeon masters. I had one. My my first real exposure to Dungeons and Dragons was back in college. We were sitting around playing. Uh, I think it was the it might have been Dragon Heist of Waterdeep or something. But it was it was a pre made module. We were level one characters. We cre- did character creation. Went to the the tavern. Gave us our quest. We stepped out, and suddenly we faced three trolls. We were level one. Level one? La uno, uh, uh, ein, the, the, the singular Arabic symbol for solo. And uh, you guys died? Well, we didn't die so much as we were annihilated. It, it was, and the entire time, we did not feel, well, I did not feel as if the dungeon master wanted us to win. Like, he was taking legitimate sadistic glee in the fact that he was one-hitting a paladin. He one-shot a tank class. That's just doing bad work. Like, that's just discouraging. But, like, the, I, if you do that, do you expect people to come back to your table? Like, nobody wants to roll a new character every time and just 
I I asked later my friend. I said I said Thomas, why do you guys still play with him? He goes, yeah, he's he's not a great, he's, you know, he's yada yada yada, but he's all there is. Not anymore. Not anymore. Thankfully, you know, with the internet and everything, we are now a lot closer. But that also means take Discord. There are several Discords where you can sign up for, and you post almost an ad going, "Hey." Uh, my name is such and such. I have this much experience looking to play this system, but prefer to play these classes. Uh, anyone interested? And uh, like a dungeon master will send you, hey, I'm running this game. I think you'll fit into it. Or dungeon masters, will you? I've seen, you know, DM looking to run this module, needing this many players. You really don't have a chance to vet anybody. You go into it blind. And so you're you're almost in a way kind of stuck in that first game. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the sad thing is a lot of these players there there is no session zero, which we will definitely, we will definitely discuss the importance of what we call a session zero and even into the red flags of it. But that I will not run a game without a session zero anymore same, ever again. Same. But unfortunately, there is the aspect the, the thought that. Bad D and D is better than no D and D. Incorrect. That is totally incorrect. But you know, get back to where these dungeon masters. Unfortunately, the dungeon master is not a position that a lot of people want to do. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. There's <laughs> a lot of time and effort. Uh, it's hard. Look, I can speak from experience. It's hard to have a full time job and be a a good productive dungeon master. Yeah, I had to open a store just so I could run games. <laughs> And I like to think that over the the approximate now going on 10 years of running games, that I have cultivated a a kind of a repertoire that I know, you know, I, I think I'm a decent, I'm a very good dungeon master. You are our most requested DM at the moment, so. James, my head's big enough. Please don't. Uh, I'm just going to trap you in the room. <laughs> Keep inflating that ego. <laughs> now, unfortunately, that but that means for every, every, you know, alpha, there is an omega, every light, there is a dark. Yeah. And you can go online to places like Reddit and read the different uh, RPG horror stories. Now, thankfully, getting out that information means that these people are being brought to the light. And so you don't, you hopefully will not have people going in uh, and, you know, going back to these people and, you know, they will just eventually, quote unquote, die out. Uh, not, not, not literally die out, but they would stop running games. I would say that for all of the negative aspects that are created by the advent of technology, within a very short period of time, technology has also espoused a solution yes. to that. And that's kind of, you know, what you're bringing about there, what it's, you're saying. It's a, and again, it goes back to the fact that, yeah, you have this one bad apple, but now all of us who he has affected can kind of come together and go, no, stay away from this individual. Mm -hmm. You know, we, in a sense, can quarantine him. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of quarantine... <laughs> COVID, that there is technology for good and ill helped or hurt so much during COVID because there was the thought that, you know, being forced for, you know, months at a time indoors, you know, there nothing to do except thanks to technology, thanks to Discord, to Zoom chat, to all these different things, you could jump on and play a D&D &D game. Yeah. Uh, people were able to sit and watch, you know, the critical roles, the, the Dimension 20, the other uh, third-party games being streamed and played via Twitch, via YouTube, via TikTok. And it pulled more and more people into it, like the graph showed that that last kind of upswing began right around the time uh, COVID and Stranger Things just shot rocketed upward. 
I mean, not only was there the entertainment factor there, but people were looking for what can I do to stay in contact with my friends? Yes. And the answer is an RPG online. Yes. <laughs> Be, because like the more and more technology advances, you will always have these, I guess, technophiles who are like, well, eventually there would not be a need for, and apparently they're British, there will not be a need <laughs> for the table and, and the pen and paper and the books because it will all be online. So I've actually had a lot of people ask me, am I worried uh, because of the advent of technology for uh, the pen and paper and the in-person aspect of it, which we, we sink full, full wholeheartedly into here at The Hive. And I'm not, I'm not at all. Um, technology is awesome. What it does to bring people together is beautiful. But I think there will always be a certain magic to sitting around the table with your friends physically. There is a collectible side to all of this that people indulge in. And that's that's wonderful. You know, that's the lifeblood of, you know, the LGS is local game stores. It just is limited, right? Yeah. Technology really shines as it picks up where we're limited. A, the thing about technology is a lot, of people, a lot of people don't tend to think of it like this. Technology is a tool. A tool is only as good, only as useful, only as precise as the craftsman who is wielding it. Yeah. And, I, you know, I will use myself. Being a, being a dungeon master, you are, in essence, a craftsman. You are creating a story. You're creating a world. And technology has made making my craft, making my world, making my NPCs so much easier. No longer do I have to lay out eight different books with pen and paper and take multiple hours just to make a couple of people in my game. Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, let me fire up my, you know, my gaming PC over here. Let me go to this one website, a few things here, keystroke, keystroke. Uh, sure, that'll work. We'll add this ability to the creature, hit print, and boom, I have a character sheet. Yeah. It has taken hours of work and turned it into mere minutes. Yeah. But that's, again, it's because I, as the craftsman, I am using it in that direction. Yeah. Uh, you, as a game store, you are using technology to to essentially raise your bottom line, to to put, you know, to gain a profit. Yeah. Uh, the, common, uh, the common role-playing player, they use technology to immerse themselves and better their game experience. Again, the those we don't want in our society, they use technology to inflate their egos, make themselves seem better. Yeah. Uh, it's all about who the craftsman is and how they're using the tool. Yeah. And I, as much as technology has advanced in the past 10, 20 years, which if for the, for the anthropologists, for the historians... For the, everyone out there who, you know, basically it is your job to look at this kind of stuff, you look back and see that in the past 10, 20 years, we have bounded forward technology-wise far more than any other point in our history. Yeah. What took hundreds of years since the Gutenberg Bible, the, 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 the Gutenberg Press, to now in the past, you know, 20 years, we've gone from uh, the computers that took a room and took, you know, cards for processing to now I hold a supercomputer in the palm of my hand. The leaps and bounds we've seen in technology that's affected our lives and the way it has affected, you know, every aspect of it, be it the, the tabletop, the role play aspect, the gaming aspect, the, the store aspect, it makes me that much more curious and that much more hopeful 
for what's going to come because, again, and so this is how technology has helped, it has bridged that generational gap yeah. between everyone. Like, I, I have no children, but I have nephews. And every time I talk to my sister, she curses me because apparently I my nephews act just like me. They love to play video games. They love dinosaurs. They love dragons. My The youngest one who comes and stays with me all the time, he loves my miniature collection. <laughs> I have to keep running him out of there because he always goes to the one that's the most expensive, wants to make it fly around the room. <laughs> I love him, but he's... <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> my granddaughter knows that dragons go roar, and she will every time go straight for the dragon. Like when she comes to visit the shop, she goes straight for the dragon in here. She picks it up, and she aims it at me and goes, roar. <laughs> so, and that's amazing. It's amazing to see the next generation, you know, plugging into that. The And back, hearkening back to the, the alien role-playing game, there's something there that happened that it ha- it's happening a lot more and more. And that's the fact that, again, generationally, your son was playing in that game with us. Yeah. Uh, now Xander well, is not a young, he is not like a young child. He, like he's in a, I think he's in his twenties now. Like he's actually, he's 18 going well, on, going on 40. So, <laughs> but the, the fact that, you know, he wants to play games with his dad. Yeah. That, that's the cool thing. I, I, Cause look, my, my father, I love my dad to death. He, he, he's a great man. He showed me a lot of love as a child. But my dad, I've said before, he does not understand this. He doesn't get it. But he is still try. He still tried to support me when I was growing up, and that's all that mattered. The fact that you know a son has a father who wants to sit down with him and go, you know, let's pretend to be these people we're not. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry that I now have to kill you to save my own skin. One of my favorite things um, that I have done with my son, with us enjoying this hobby together, is uh, we were working on characters for Stagande before that started. And we were trying to get accents right. So, like, we're on YouTube. We're watching these dialect coach videos, you know, that kind of stuff, trying to nail all that. And once a week, we would have a in-character voice day. Everything we did that day was in character. And uh, my favorite thing was going to Wendy's on in-character voice day <laughs> and really confusing those people at the window. And I felt bad for them, but at the same time, it was a whole lot of fun. See, I, as that's the thing, I I do that as well. Like I'll especially because I for my job I drive a lot. Yeah, and you know, not a lot to listen to on the radio, or sometimes I get bored of my Spotify playlists. I'll go to YouTube and I'll put up like you know accents and stuff. And I multiple times I pulled in somewhere for uh, for lunch or through a drive through. And I'm sitting there, you know, doing some strange voice to kind of get an NPC voice down. And I'm not realizing I'll turn and go, yes, I'd like to get a number three, please. And just (laughs) the looks you get when you pull up to this window, they're like, did you want the number three? (laughs) 1275. Thank you. That's, I guess, the way that's another way that kind of technology has not hurt, but with the the shows like Critical Role and Dimension 20 being so easily accessed to that, people see those games, and sometimes there is the thought, they call it the, the Mercer effect, that that is the norm. Yeah. That, you know, okay, if I want to play D&D, I have to sit down, I have to have this 30-page backstory. Please do not bring your Dungeon Master a 30-page single-typed backstory. I feel targeted. I don't care what you feel, James. Don't do it. But it makes me happy. I've heard stories of now. Look, uh, to uh, to be fair, I did I did quote unquote teach a DM a lesson by making a backstory so long I knew he wouldn't read it. Like I think at one point I had a recipe, I had part of a recipe book in it. It was just just so I could a recipe book recipe book. He he wanted long backstories. 
I wrote like two pages that wasn't long enough. And I finally got mad at him. I wrote like, it was like, all in all, it was like 12 pages. They were like, I, and I just went and took random things and threw in there. I'm like, okay, if he reads it, I'll say, yeah, I was just being an a-hole. He never brought it up. He said it was a great backstory. You're good to go. No. And so I kept I kept referring to things that would happen in that backstory. No. Like, well, in my backstory, you know, I did I did train in uh, in mounted combat. Yeah. Because, yeah, I remember reading that. Yeah, yeah, so you get advantage on the roll. I was there going, he never read it. He never read my backstory. The last time I wrote a fairly lengthy backstory uh, was Cashmere for the Stagande game. And I remember Brody, uh, Elder Fenris, that you had mentioned earlier. He's our DM for that. Uh, I remember him, like, texting me back. And, like, half of it was swear words. And he's like, why would you do that? And I was like, well, you, 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 I, I learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> Uh, by, by the way, folks, Stagande, for the, we've used the name a few times, Stagande is the, the streaming game that a lot of the players here at the Hive, they play. It's currently on YouTube called the Stagande Sagas, S-T-I-G-A-N-D-E, Stagande. Uh, and it is, it is great. It is a Nordic-themed role-playing 5e game. It is dungeon-mastered by a close friend and a great dungeon-master named Brody, a.k.a. Elder Fenris. And... You guys, it, it's amazing. And the fact that technology, it's another way that technology has helped is no longer do you have to have the, the million dollar budgets or the production companies. A bunch of friends can sit around with what, six cameras and four microphones and just show off and have fun. And it's great to watch. And you, that's the thing. You can see these these games that, you know, people would enjoy watching and they can just hop on and watch them. But yeah. The Stagande Sagas on YouTube, I highly recommend it. I'm actually thinking about like listening to it again just to kind of get caught up because um there there's a chance I will be invited and I'm very very happy about that. <laughs> I just uh, so great. COVID shut us down for a little while, but we're about to start back up. We're almost to the point we can kick it back off again. That 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 is great, and it's it's the story is great, and I'm I'm loving watch. I loved watching. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it again. Uh but it, something we mentioned, and it's a great thing to remind everyone, with the advent of the internet and the fact that it's brought everybody together, it's hard to really vet and understand who you're talking to on the internet. So be it over Discord, and I, I've seen it myself on my Discord, and I've had to address it a few times, where people would start having conversations, and it was very clear that they were trying to lead the conversation on a path. And that is on a path I allow, and they were gone. So always protect yourself online. Yeah. Uh, do not give in out any personal information to somebody that you have not fully vetted. That you don't. If even if you are not sure in the slightest everything about them, uh, I always recommend like a screen name. Like even for me, because I, I like kind of a personality. I have a PO box. Like almost nobody knows my actual home address. Uh, just take. Take those precautions. Yeah. They are still strangers. Put a layer of protection Put a layer of yourself protection in that yourself. world because not everyone is altruistic. Per, thank you. That is, that is great. A layer. Not everybody wants to have this happy and growing community that we have. And like we said, unfortunately, technology has helped. But in those aspects, it has also hurt our community as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good place to end with a kind of a, uh, a reminder for everybody that, you know, even though we all want the best – Sometimes you have to expect the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with that, our, our tech goblin has given us the red flag over there. 
So uh, we'll wrap up by simply saying thank you all so very, very much for joining us this com- this uh, conversation here on Playing With Advantage. We uh, chased a few rabbits, but I think all in all, we had a very good conversation about technology and how oh, yeah. it's affected our lives and, and the role-playing game uh, genre as a whole. So with that, I am Kenneth Moffat, a.k.a. Southern D&D. I am James Bardwell. And we are here live at the Hive of Macomb, Mississippi. Hopefully, we'll come. you'll come down and see us. Uh, but whatever dragons you may face this week, whatever mountains you may have to climb, just know that you always have somebody in your corner and that uh, somewhere out there, there is somebody just as weird and crazy as you are. Uh, with that, I will say goodbye. Love you guys. Till we talk again, be safe. Be safe.